Hello and welcome to The Breakdown, your short, sweet, and digestible guide to public policy issues facing the country today. I'm your host, Brian Phillips, with the Texas Public Policy Foundation. For more information on today's topic and just about any issue that you might read or tweet or post or hear about, check us out online at texaspolicy.com. Today we're going to break down one of the most important issues in America. What the hell is happening in our schools? Specifically, we're going to talk about not only what is happening, but why and what's being done to ensure that parents are being empowered to do what's right for their children. To help us break down this issue is the movement's premier voice on this issue, Corey DeAngelis. Corey DeAngelis is someone that you're probably already familiar with through his numerous media appearances and speaking events across the country. And he's been at it a long time, but really in the last two years, Corey has been on, on a crusade to inform parents, most of all to inform parents about the dangers of things like critical race theory in our schools, the issues surrounding school closings and mask mandates, not to mention the, the issue of inappropriate material that ends up in school libraries and unfortunately is permeating classrooms across the uh, Texas in the country. More formally, Corey is the National Director of Research at the American Federation for Children. He's the Executive Director at Educational Freedom Institute. He's an adjunct scholar at the Cato Institute and a senior fellow at the Reason Foundation. You can also find him on Twitter and, frankly, that hellhole of a website. Um, <laughs> he makes it all worth uh, worthwhile and valuable because some of his tweets, particularly uh, a lot of the information that he gives uh, on Twitter, is very valuable to those of us in the movement who are fighting this every day. And he's at DeAngelis Corey on, on Twitter. Corey, welcome to The Breakdown. Hey, Brian. Thanks so much for having me. Is that a compliment to say that you have a good Twitter feed? I mean, I know it's, it can be kind of a harrowing place sometimes, but do you take that as a compliment? Yeah, totally. It's a compliment. Um, I'm actually kind of confused as to why Randy Weingarten hasn't blocked me yet with uh, <laughs> because uh, the truth hurts. You know, the union doesn't have any logic on their side. And, uh, you know, um, spitting out the facts is it, it re- it's really painful for them. And oftentimes they do block me. But uh Randy Weingarten has complained about me to in direct messages to a mom in North, New York City, which I, I've shared out a couple of months ago. So I know she's watching. And at Maybe least she the, turns off her replies. Maybe it's the principle of keep your friends close, keep your enemies closer, you know, that That's kind of right. thing. That's right, yeah. But, but the fact is, the fact that they're coming after you really means that you're over the target, um, as my friends around uh, TPPF like to say. Um, and you really are. You really are over the target here. And I think, I think it's, it's being demonstrated by just the tremendous speed, I think, of the movement behind school choice and other proposals to empower, parent, to empower parent, parents around the country um, is really nothing like I've seen before. I've been in the movement 20 years. We've been fighting school choice for a long time. Does it feel like this is something new or, 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 or is it, um, or have you felt this kind of momentum before? Uh, this is, this is unlike ever before. Um, the momentum is here and it's happening and parents have woken up. They're not going to sleep ever again because they saw what the heck was going on in their classrooms and they're going to push for the right to educate their kids as they see fit harder than anyone will ever fight to take that right away from them. And so we've had a lot of success, particularly over the couple of years nationwide. In 2021, groups are calling it the year of school choice because 19 states enacted or expanded programs to fund students as opposed to systems. Just last month, we had a Supreme Court victory solidifying the reality that uh, school choice does not violate the establishment clause of the U.S. Constitution. And uh, so we had the wind at our backs in the courts. And then just... uh, Earlier this month, Arizona became the first state in the nation 
to fund all students directly instead of systems. Every single family will be able to take their children's state-funded education dollars to the education provider of their choosing in Arizona, whether that's a public school, a private school, a charter school, or a home-based education options. That's the gold standard of educational freedom. And when Doug Ducey signed that into law earlier this month, he cemented Arizona as the number one state for school choice in the nation. So I'm hoping other states will listen uh, and, and and see the victory in, in Arizona and, and imitate that success. I've already seen uh, Governor Abbott, for example, he already led strong in May at an event uh, giving a forceful endorsement of school choice, saying that he, he believes that the funding should follow the student to any public, private, or charter school, uh, which is uh, a, a huge one to hear that coming from mm-hmm. Governor Abbott. And I think we're going to see the biggest push for school choice ever in Texas history this upcoming session. Well, now it's always fun to start with the victories, right? Like I totally get why you want to do that. But of course there was a, a lot that came before that. Uh, so I want to go back, you know, you and tell me where this starts, you know, is this the pandemic? Is it before then? Do you think, you know, when you're following this issue, was there a quintessential moment in the last few years when, you know, when parents really started to say enough is enough? Uh, was it the pandemic and masks and things like that? Was it school curriculum? Like where in your mind do you think this really got started? This was that this has been a problem for decades in the government school system. And the issue is that families are forced into an institution regardless of how well it's meeting their needs. Uh, but it really was exposed. All of these problems were explo- exposed by the pandemic and the COVID school closures. And families have woken up. I think a lot of families before thought that their kids were in quote unquote good public schools, whether because it was rated like an A rating by the state or because uh, their kids were coming home with all A's on their report card. But with the school closures, what most people would call remote learning, what I called remotely learning, since there was so much learning loss associated with the school closures, it hurt kids academically, mentally, even physically, there was a side benefit of Zoom school and that families got to see what the heck was going on in the classroom. And many parents disagreed with what was being taught and how it was being taught, whether it was critical race theory or the gender ideology in the classroom. Um, and they, they started to push for change. Parents who didn't think that they needed school choice as much before started to see that there's another dimension of school quality that's arguably a lot more important than standardized test scores, which happens to be whether you feel like that institution is brainwashing your kids for 13 years uh, 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 without exit options. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, that's also why we've seen um, we have nationwide support for school choice at an all-time high, uh, with 72% of Americans supporting the concept of the funding follow the child, according to the latest Real Clear Opinion Research polling, which jumped eight percentage points since April of 2020. So there is an awakening going on. Mm -hmm. And this is happening in Texas, too. Look at the Republican primary ballot. School choice was proposition number nine, I believe, in 2022 in March. And 88% of Republican primary voters support the concept of school choice, having the funding follow the child to the public or private school of their choosing. And that was about nine percentage points up from when it was last on the ballot or the, the result that I that I saw in 2018 in Texas. So the, the, the winds are, are shifting and 
the other part of this is that I think politicians are also seeing that it could be a form of political suicide after the past couple of years to come out against parental rights in education. I mean, look what happened with Terry McAuliffe in Virginia. What mm-hmm. a disaster on the debate stage when he went up against Glenn Young and the Republican. Terry McAuliffe said, I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach, end quote. <laughs> and that blew up in his face. He even tried to have Randy Weingarten, the least liked union president in the country, in my opinion, stump for him the night before the election. And on CNN the next day, a Virginia mom actually said that was the nail in the coffin moment for her. Look at what happened to the National School Boards Association. Ever since they colluded with the Biden administration and sent a letter to the Justice Department implying that uh, uh, that some parents should be investigated for, quote unquote, domestic terrorism, 26 states, including Texas, have decided to pull their funding from the National School Boards Association in just the last half a year. So mm-hmm. we might as well rename it the Regional School Boards Associate, Association at this point. But all, all, the, all these things show is that parents matter and they can make a real difference when they band together and push for change. And they're not just doing it at the school board meetings. They're not just doing it with the National School Boards Association. They didn't only do it in Virginia, where, by the way, Glenn Youngkin won on the issue of education. It was the number two issue in the election. Um, the This is happening in Republican primaries as well. It happened in Texas. We're seeing a, a lot of success nationwide with the American Federation for Children Growth Fund and its um, state affiliates. Their uh, uh, candidates that we've supported, about 79% of them have won their primaries or advanced to runoffs. So school choice is a political winner, but it's also the right thing to do. Now, you you mentioned a, a parade of horribles earlier um, uh, in your answer. Um, and, you know... My my question is has has that always been there? I mean we've heard we've heard this this you know no shortage of horror stories popping up in the news. You mentioned a few. I mean racist curriculum, pornography in libraries, teachers indoctrinating students and hiding certain activities from their parents, and on and on and on. I mean I want to really want to break this down. I mean has this always been underneath the surface? Um, has this or has this grown over time and it's just now popping up? Um, because it really is. I mean, to your point, it, that's the thing that's really animating parents and getting them to be active. But has it always been there? I think it's been there for a while. It's hard to tell how uh, widespread it was because pa- parents didn't really know what was going on in the classroom before the, the schools closed. And But I do think it probably has increased in, um, in, in scope and prevalence over time. But look, all of these battles that we've seen popping up in the schools over the past couple of years, whether it was mask mandates or not, whether it was this curriculum or that curriculum, whether it was opening the school in person or, or closing the school and having this uh, quote-unquote remote learning, these are all just problems. These are all just symptoms of the larger issue, which happens to be we force millions of families to send their kids to a one-size-fits-all government-run school system that by definition is not going to meet the individual unique needs of, of families. And, mm-hmm. and, that's, and that's because students are different, students are unique, families have different views about how they want their kids raised and how they want their children to be educated. And that's okay to disagree about these things. The problem is with the one-size-fits-all system that is never going to work with that, for everyone And I really think the only way forward out of this mess through freedom rather than force 
is from the bottom up to allow the funding to follow the child to the institution that best aligns with their family's values. And at the same time, there'll be an organic competitive response in the public school system. They'll have to listen to the needs of families and what would be the best interest of a provider of educational services, well, it would be to focus on the basics, math, reading, and writing. Why? Because that's what most people want. And if you irritate your customer base, whether you're going too far left or too far right in the classroom, you're bound to lose customers again, because families disagree. But I think most families can agree on is they want education to happen as opposed to indoctrination. Now, I want to get your your reaction to an interesting uh, poll statistic that we do polling at the at TPPF every couple of months. Um, and we put an interesting question on our poll the last two times that we've done it. And I got kind of a shocking answer that I didn't expect. So we asked parents specifically who they thought, uh, we asked Texans, likely voters in Texas, uh, who they thought was was ultimately responsible for the education of the child. And we had, you know, various answers. The one we said, you know, ultimately it's up to the parents. They said ultimately, you know, B was ultimately it's up to the educators uh, or C. Ultimately, we crafted this third answer specifically. It is a 50-50 split. It is a, it is a shared responsibility, you know, 50-50 on the parent and the educator. Now, I just assume that, you know, the red hats would say it's up to the parents. The blue hats would say it's up to the educators. And then you'd kind of have kind of a middle in there of, a, you know, a few percent who said, oh, well, it's both parties. Didn't turn out that way. 19% said that it was ultimately up to the parents. 9% said that it was up to the educators. And 71% of Texans believe that it is a 50-50 shared responsibility between educators and parents. Now, does that, mm-hmm. does that tell you anything about why parents are reacting so, um, so strongly to, this, to, to finding out about what's, go- what's actually going on in the schools? Yeah, I mean, the vast majority of the um, respondents of that survey say that uh, it should that parents should have a pretty significant um, influence on what happens in the schools. And then so you have um, a- opponents of parental rights and education trying to come out and say, oh, well, parents aren't education experts or exactly. you know, they, they shouldn't have a big. But the thing is, parents are educators. They're the first educators of their children. Thank how do you, you how the heck do the kids learn before they enter kindergarten? And how do they learn when they go home? from school each day? How do they learn after they graduate from high school? Well, their parents have a lot to do with the formation of their child. And for uh, government school advocates, or at least um, people who do not support parental rights and education to come out and say that the kids belong to the government institutions, that is a deeply unpopular belief. And Mm -hmm. I think this uh, this is another reason why Republicans should lean into the issue of parental rights and education, like we saw with Governor Yunkin in Virginia, it can be a political winner. And Mm -hmm. uh, for the other side to say the quiet part out loud when it comes to uh, uh, their views on on who should be the primary educators of of the students, it doesn't really work out for them um, all, all that well. And I don't know if you saw, we mentioned Randy Weingarten earlier, the American Federation of Teachers, second largest teachers union in the country, they just did a poll that was leaked uh, earlier this month that came out with some results that they didn't like very much. And they they hoped that it didn't leak into the public, but it was of likely voters in battleground states like Pennsylvania and other uh, battleground states. And one of the main questions was, who do you trust more on the issue of education? Who do you have more confidence in? And Republicans were winning in that poll on education um, uh, overall. 
and, and, and that's huge for Republicans to be winning on the issue of education. Uh, a lot of Republicans have called themselves the parents' party, and I think they have a golden opportunity to become the parents' party. But the way to do that, the only way to truly secure parental rights in education is to fund students directly and truly empower parents to choose the education providers that best meets the needs of their children. There are other ways to tweak the system and to move the ball in the right direction. But at the end, at the end of the day, the best solution is, for, is bottom-up accountability, letting families vote with their feet, just like we do in any other industry. Now, I want to, you've mentioned some successes, and this is this will be the final question here. Um, we have some successes across the state that you, you've talked about a little bit, um, but I wanted you to talk specifically about Texas. Um, because, you know, in Texas, we have support for school choice. If you ask, you know, Texans, you get 65, 70, and now it's closer to, you know, 75% will tell you that they support parents being, you know, choosing and being the decision maker for what's best for their kids' education. And yet we still don't have full school choice uh, here in Texas. Uh, it feels like there's a momentum to get there in the next legislature. It feels like that will be the number one issue that the legislature deals with uh, next uh, next session. So what can Texas do if you have to the, to the best of your ability, if you can can give us some specifics or, uh, or you know, some details on what you think Texas can do to lead the way on educational choice and parental choice? Yeah, look, now is the time for Texas to fund students as opposed to systems. And I think we're going to have the biggest push we've ever seen in Texas history to truly empower parents and to secure parental rights in education by funding students directly and letting them choose the providers that work best for them. Look, Greg Abbott uh, uh, has been a great governor and he's pushed really hard in May at a school choice event, explicitly calling for the funding to follow the child to any public, private, or charter school that works best for them. That's a forceful endorsement of educational freedom. That's how it's done. That's how you truly support parental rights in education. And uh, we, we saw in 2017 that the, the Senate is, is strong on school choice. And uh, I, I'm looking forward to see what Dan Patrick does to push the ball forward as well. He had a great statement in support of Greg Abbott after the event in May. And this is a legislative priority this session for the Texas GOP. They only picked eight legislative priorities at, priorities out of a bunch of them, and parental rights and school choice was included in the list of legislative priorities. Republican primary voters are supercharged behind the idea of school choice. It's at a, the support's at an all-time high. 88% of Republican primary voters supporting school choice. It's on the Republican Party platform. Look at what happened in Arizona. They're, they are now empowering all families, no income caps, every single family, regardless of income, all 1.1 million children in the state of Arizona will be eligible to take their, their education dollars to the education providers of their choosing, public, private, charter, or home-based education option. That's the gold standard of school choice. And they did it in Arizona with the slimmest of margins possible. The Republicans only hold a one-seat majority in the Arizona House, the Arizona Senate, and obviously they have the governor's office as well. It required every single Republican in Arizona to show up on the day of the vote and to vote in favor of it, and they did that in the House, and they did that in the Senate as well. In Texas, you have much much more robust majorities of, of Republicans. I think it's about, what, 58 to 60 percent of each mm -hmm. chamber is 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 Republican. So they have more wiggle room. But at the end of the day, 
um, it should be this. They should be able to get this done, especially at this time after families have woken up. Uh, and for a long time, the only special interest groups in K to twelve education were essentially the employee unions. But now there's a new special interest group in town: parents who want more of a say in their kids' education, and they aren't going away anytime soon. They're going to hold their elected officials accountable. And it would be wise for politicians from all parties, Republican or Democrat, to listen to these parents going forward. One, because parents are a powerful special interest group and they're a force to be reckoned with. But two, more importantly, because parental rights and education is just the right thing to do. The money doesn't belong to the institutions. Education funding is supposed to be meant for educating children, not for propping up and protecting a particular institution, whether that's public or private. We already fund students directly when it comes to higher education with Pell Grants and the GI Bill. You can take that funding, which is taxpayer funding, to a public or private religious or non-religious university. We apply the same logic to pre-K programs, including the federal Head Start program. You could take that funding for your family to a private religious or non-religious provider of pre-K services. We do this with just about every other industry. Uh, it's about time we apply the same logic to K-12 education to fund people as opposed to buildings. And I think this is the time to get it done in Texas. We're seeing it happen all across the country. The majority of states already have private school choice. Texas does not yet, but now's the time to do it. Now's the time to listen to parents. And I think we have the momentum to get it all the way across the finish line this session starting in 2023. And I would add, you know, nothing is predetermined. It's going to take a lot of work. I mean, even though we do feel like we have the wind in our backs, we have successes in other states, we have the momentum and we have the movement to do it. Um, it's still going to take a lot of work. So I know, Corey, you're going to be continuing to come to Texas uh, and you're going to be you know, spreading the gospel, so to speak, uh, on this issue and, and working with us and other, other organizations uh, to get this done. And so we can't see, we can't wait to see um, how successful we're going to be, but we're all going to have to work together and, and, and keep pushing as hard as we can. Yeah, totally. Thank you so much, Brian. I'm looking forward to it. All right, everybody. That was Corey DeAngelis. He has been my guest. Again, Corey is the National Director for Research at the American Federation for Children and one of the strongest and most effective advocates uh, for parental empowerment and parental choice around the country. Thank you, Corey, for so much for being on. Yeah, thanks again for the opportunity. And thank you for listening.